Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Janice Rosen from Castagra. All right, Janice, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while. So well, I, I guess the question is, you know, why now? Like, you, you feel more comfortable now? Oh, yes, more comfortable being doing this long enough, but also I've got better internet. And to try to do an interview with what I had before would have been scary. Yeah. So Walk me through the, the lengths you went to get better internet, because, you know, I know I take it for granted, but um, t- tell me the story there. Well, because our home is at the base of the Goldfield Mountains, so we are considered where we're at is more rural. And we've tried these through the phone line, phone company, and they always had their wires blown in the wind. So we got rid of that, went to satellite. That was not very helpful either. At times when I would complain to them, they would kick up the speed. And then, you know, the next day I noticed they bring the speed back. (laughs) So that wasn't worth it. We, Peter and a friend of ours in IT, came up with a system where it's more a radio tower that's on top of our house. And it goes over to our nephew's home. And in the town that we're in town, rather, and um, hooked it up that way. And so now we, we, we've we got much, much better Internet. Wonderful. And you have a, a rich ba- entrepreneurial background. I mean, you're helping with our you know collective company on many different aspects, but you have quite an entrepreneurial background. I mean, was that always the plan? Like, is that do you have that in your family? Well, my brother's very entrepreneurial and um, my looked up to him and and there's six family all did well in our own fields and such but started out where I was helping a friend get his business organized and going this was back in the 70s (laughs) and I enjoyed that because I had the freedom the mobility of, of being able to move on my own without too much constraints of working for like a corporation per se and then moving you know in between raising children and such Started up with, I worked for a company, I was doing credit collections. I knew though that that was kind of restrictive and that is where you're trying to sell people to pay their bill, you know, that they, on goods that they've already gotten. So I was very successful at that within the first three months, I was the number top collector in the office and they kept trying to figure out how I did that. And, you know, eventually after 12 months of staying in the top five at the company, then they promoted me to take on harder accounts. So, <laughs> and I was successful with that, doing that too, and went to a different collection agency after that, collecting utility bills. So, you know, and it's reading people. One thing that was when I worked for the first company, they always had a lot of classes to give us more insight into reading people. And it was very stuck with me very much on the who, what, when, where, and why questions and not only those questions but how you ask them the tone that you use Mm. too many collectors like to get nasty and there's no really no need for it you're just trying to identify the problem how they're able to pay for it and repay for it rather and um, get them on a system that's doable for them to be able to pay it back don't set them up for failure 
and then come back and say, well, you didn't, you couldn't do it. So now it's all due. Those kind of tactics just don't work. And went to a collection agency, like I say, the second one was collecting electric bills. And that is more of a desire, I mean, an ability problem as opposed to a desire in order to pay your bill. Because generally when somebody lets their electric bill go, they're in some hardships. But there are those though, when they leave the residence that they're in, then they decide not to pay the bill because they're going to a different electric company, I guess. And that one was, I would see people put continually change names on their accounts. And one time I, we realized that it was the cat's name was on the, was the <laughs> bill, was on the bill. So that was kind of, you hear all sorts of stories too. <laughs> yeah. And um, moving out here to Arizona, just was able to get the opportunity to Worked for my future husband, my then husband, he's my ex now. He was in the shotcrete business, air place concrete, primarily swimming pools, but also commercial work that was done on highways and such, rock work. And that was where I was able to really, really branch out because of the responsibilities that I had. I enjoyed them. And it was building him, build up the business. He was more in the field guy. I was more in the office. And that went really well. I had that business for 28 years. After 20 years, though, when we divorced, I bought him out and kept it going and threw a lot of hiccups because right after all of that is when the crash of 08 happened. And the last thing uh, that people are looking for when there's so much problems with economics is to get a swimming pool. So it was maneuvering through that. And then through that time frame, I wanted to branch out to for more opportunities because of economics and looked into getting um, spraying epoxy and worked on, I, there was a gentleman that I hired to run me, that division, and we were building a spray rig that was solvent-free, and this is where it all came into play, where I met Peter, and I guess the rest we say is history. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, the inventor of uh, Ikeder and all yeah. sorts of other things, yeah. Yeah. but let me go back to, you mentioned something just subtly, you said the difference between ability to pay and desire, so right, desire yes. to pay, how do you... And you touched on it a little bit, but how do you make people want to pay? <laughs> and well, what, was, yeah. what is the challenge like that that yeah. got them to that point? Well, you know, we were always taught that generally it's there's a percentage that are have the desire not you know to, to identify desire to pay, ability to pay, and I think it's just being on top of you know their story or their circumstances that you put them into a level of. Either one, you're still going to have to pay the bill. It damages your credit. There's a lot of negatives that go with having past due bills, especially utility bills. That's really big. And just working out a plan with them, you know, just to put them in a spot where they can say, do what they're saying, rather, to, like I say, it goes always back to reading the person and listening to that story. And if it's all wacky, you know, <laughs> they've got a whole different approach. But yeah, a lot of times it was desire. They just, I mean, no, excuse me, ability because falling down hard times and reassuring that hard times aren't always going to be there. They're still going to have to pay the bill. And if they start out small in payments, that's still going to work. It shows a pattern of doing what you should be doing and then increasing it as you can and only giving them so much leeway because there are those that take care of that or take advantage of that rather to um, stretch it out and not pay. <laughs> so, yeah. For sure. I, I'm guessing that skill helped you as you were growing out your 
contracting business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was again talking to people, you know, selling on us being their Shot Creek contractor to do their work. And it was when I first we first got into it, it was very competitive. But then as the time went on, there were several of those that just couldn't make it because they didn't have basically what I saw was the balance of someone knowledgeable in the field and someone knowledgeable in the office. And too many times being in the field, they think they can run the office, but it's there's just too much to watch for. And so to have that split up and be successful in that, and then it gave me a lot of leeway to you know work because I, I at first I started with everything because there was only the two two of us and then you know the crew that was working for us but they were obviously in the field it was just identifying what you know like pricing not only the sales of it but the billing the collections you know it's just it was fun you know did that it was just especially the first 10 years was fun after the after 10 years it's kind of hit this borderline of burnout but you got to keep going you got all these kids to feed and you got to just keep moving but you know i had a great surrounding me when you surround myself with a great uh, amount of good help within the office uh, very good help out in the field so it was easy to sell because i always told the men that were in the field i'd always tell them you know in order for me to get more work you have to do your job and you have to do it well because I can go to bat for you. I believe in you, but I have to really believe in you so I can sell that. So someone else is going to believe in us, take us on. So it's quality. I always kind of went by quality, service, and pricing. Whereas so many were doing the pricing first, cutting the prices cheap. But if you want quality and you want good service, it, that comes with a price. There's a reason for a price to be the way it is. And I saw too many of my competitors fail. Yeah. over the years because that was a lot of years <laughs> yeah and I, I think you were involved in associations as well right industry-wise yeah yeah the the american chakrit association it was a national well actually it was north america and south america and when that came into play that piqued my curiosity again to see and know others that do the same type of work around the country arizona it's pretty easy in the sense that we get a lot of sunshine in the southern part of the california i mean uh, arizona and it is uh, very unique to our area. But then when you get to other areas across the country and see what issues and they run up into. And so, yeah, I, I joined the organization, got on a few committees, and then I ran for president. I think it was a 90. So I think it was president 94. They were in 1994 and wrote uh, everyone when you're president, you have to write articles on the quarterly magazine. So I enjoyed doing that. And yeah, it was it was fun. Enjoyed it overall. It was it's grown quite a bit since when I got into it because it was in its infancy when it first when I first got into it. It was only two years old. You keep track of it a little bit. What has changed? What direction is it all going? Oh, it's just huge now that they, they've really streamlined it. Where and the the articles keep getting better within the magazine. The reach out is training. There's a, a lot of things that just expanded on the principles of what they started it with. So yeah, it was it was interesting leading you know to be a woman in this field and not wanting to be. I was never a rah rah. You know, I'm a woman. Hear me roar. That was never it. I again, I go back to where I had kids to feed, <laughs> and then my motivation was directed. I just got to get this job done, and we do it well. It works out better. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know that you know you, you've been uh, you're active on Facebook, but you're starting to use more and more different social medias. How did that progress for you? 
Well, you know, at LinkedIn, I wasn't uh, very active in. And then when I first took over, my first role with Castagra was VP of Culture and Talent. And when I looked at how many, you know, connections I had, they were mostly Shockery people. And it was only 300 and some. Now I'm over, you know, 3,500 kind of in interactions with people, but just group by watching those that were in our industry and showing interest of what they were doing. And I just go ahead and keep building up. My postings are mostly sharing our company's postings. (laughs) Very little do I, very few times do I have anything that I write with it because I feel that what we're resharing kind of speaks for itself and what we're doing. So I don't need a little intro always. So yeah, it's just, it's really grown quite well. And kind of surprised how much it has grown. And then I watch all the analytics within the company, the, the Castagra page itself. And watching that grow has been interesting. So yeah, we're building up more and more followers and from all areas, you know, not only in this country. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. You talk some about the the lessons that you learned. I mean, what are what are some of the curiosities or things you've you learned more recently? Like, you know, in terms of what we're doing or anything that you're involved in. Well, since recently I had to take over as our sales director, that's a whole different animal from what I was doing because I was more in a a part time scenario with culture and talent and watching over things that Peter needed to keep up with. I would help him with his schedule. But when the sales director scenario came up, I wasn't looking for that. And so I had to really get my mindset as to how I was going to do this. What changes do I need to make that's going to be beneficial? You know, you talk about curious. I've always been curious about how things work, how things run, how they get to where they start. And it's just like a natural curiosity. So um, kind of changed the model that we were using here at Castagra for our sales force. And it's been growing significantly. So that's very rewarding to see that. And there's more in the works and primarily with your help in vetting some of the people that I then finalize on. It's been fun with that aspect of it. Yeah. And you also have a unique dynamic, you know, Peter, you know, the yeah, your the husband and wife, you know, how, how do you deal with that? I, I don't think I've ever asked <laughs> well, that definitely it gives me clout to know that if <laughs> I just mentioned Peter's name and, and then I, I would say the inventor of the product. <laughs> so they know I got an inside track and it's worked out quite well for people knowing to get a hold of me. Peter's never been really good at being the one that returns responses quickly and such as you know. <laughs> and so this way, if they can reach me directly, I'm always available. I can uh kind of go through what he needs to return, who he needs to email back or who he needs to call back or who are the ones that I can just call back for him. And it's a door opener being his wife. <laughs> it's a great collaboration. And Peter, you know, uh, sometimes goes tunnel vision into what you're, what he's doing because that's yeah. how he invents things. I, I, right. I've i known him for so long and so have you. And yeah. I still don't know how he does it, but, uh, you know, you being able to sort of pull him out at the right times if, if he's <laughs> needed for various things, right? Yeah. Well, you know, because I've also been around him as long as I have, I know when he zones in on something, anything he zones in is important. But not to interrupt, I I can be sitting across the table and say something, but once I see in his face that he doesn't even know I'm sitting across the table, I don't go any further. I wait for that moment to see where he's back, you know, with the the rest of us and then (laughs) back with the rest of us. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think once I, I got him to describe the process, and he said, you know, it's kind of a pile driver process where he just lays out lots of different variables and ideas, and he goes at it, and and he can go for hours and hours and forget to eat and all that stuff. Yeah. Very true. That's how he does it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, is is there anything that um, I mean, is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to cover? You know, I I I never could figure out why you wanted to interview me for your because I watch your podcast, some of these podcasts, and they're very interesting. And 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 I just look at it as like, well, I'm Peter's wife, and not that that's diminished, but. Um, I didn't realize as much, and Peter will point this out to me, how of an important cog I am within our machine. We all have a place and it, we all depend on each other. And um, I always just felt that when that prior to taking on the sales director part of it, that mine was not, it was important, but not in that degree that it is now. And even though I've told you that I was only going to do it temporarily, I, I still am going to only go and do it temporarily, but it's just that date keeps getting pushed out further as to when that temporary would end. You know, just doubling back on the, you said, you know, a cog or what, and, and you know, you being interviewed is, I mean, for, for a while there, you, you know, you've kind of, you were kind of um, not as interested on the, the business side or the growth side and, and, and really kind of, you know, um, I don't know. It's put that in the the background, but I, for me, or how I always saw you as someone with immense experience. Maybe you don't feel that way because you were just trying to make things work. But you know, to be the bus collections is very tough, and you excelled. And you know, growing a business with you know, t- you know, you know, upwards of you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people are, is not easy. And I mean, you're not thinking, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not thinking about the, the numbers other than just trying to get as, as things come in and the opportunities, the conversations, you're just trying to make them go well. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you haven't, you've, uh, you've never been the type of person to really focus on that on yourself as that just trying to achieve an objective. So I think you, I mean, I see you as just, you know, such an interesting, you know, background. And, you know, that's, that's my interest because the thing is the best person that I know that is able to like bridge conversations with different points of view and find middle ground. And I think with the company, I think that's the most important thing, right? It's all about, you know, you you have a group of very, very uh, smart people with different opinions and, you know, being able to bring them together, you know, for a common goal is, is a skill, right? And you do that very well. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate hearing that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.